this thing. Mr. Bryce Logan, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing good, man. I'm good. Just hanging out. Of course. So how was your day and everything today, my man? Good, good. I woke up. I know I slept in. I woke up. I woke <laughs> up late. I was bartending last night till about two in, two in the morning. That's my late shift on Saturday nights because I have Sunday all the way off. So didn't set an alarm and I just uh, I slept in and then I'm just hanging out with the dogs and my girlfriend at the house. So That's all right. So like I mentioned before we actually started this, it's Father's Day. I'm not sure if you're a father or not, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I am. I'm a not not a dad yet. Thirty years not old. Not yet. I, don't have any kids. I got I got three dogs at the house, but I'm not gonna. Three dogs. So a dad, a dog father. <laughs> That's right. You have the dog father. Do you have any kids, man? You good? Uh, no, not me. No, yeah. <laughs> only fifteen. We ain't, we ain't we ain't ready for all that. No, no, not yet, not yet. We ain't ready yeah. for all that. No, not at all. So um, you did bartend last night, like you said. Things are starting to open up back again. What was it like, uh, and how long have you been uh, doing it since things have opened up again? So we, uh, I think we reopened about two or three weeks ago. Okay. And um, it's, you know, it's been hit or miss right away. They weren't making everybody wear masks. And now down here in Arizona, they're saying the coronavirus cases are going up again. So really? So now we're working in masks again. We were in them, then we weren't, and now we're back in the masks. So. Just kind of taking it one day at a time at work and you know the the best part of my day is obviously getting into the gym and getting to train you know that's uh, the bartending For sure. it's an it's a means to an end but um uh, i enjoy that as well you know that's a nice uh little bit of socialization for myself as well i get to socialize and and chat with people without having to go out you know i'm making money while i'm serving up some drinks and hanging out with some people <laughs> at the bar i guess so it's a uh, it could be worse. It could be worse. For sure, for sure. To be able to, happy to be able to be working again, for sure, you know, keeping some money coming in and and then uh, keep supporting this crazy dream we got going on here. Yeah, you got to keep that cash rolling. That's right. <laughs> all right, so how long have you actually been uh, bartending and all that? I started when I was 21, like a week after. Really? I so it's been a while then. Yeah, nine years. I, I went out for my 21st birthday and did, you know, like every 21-year-old does, get, goes all crazy. And then one of my one of my close friends was a bartender. And the next day, he goes, "Man, your birthday party was a lot of fun." I was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I feel." I was like, "I feel like crap though." He's like, he's "Like, man, he's like, I didn't even get drunk, and I made like 200 bucks last night at your birthday party." I'm like, "Yeah, you were there the whole time." And mm-hmm. he's like, "Yeah, I know." He's like, "It's the best job ever, bro." He's like, "I got to hang out with you on your birthday," and he's like, "And I left with 200 bucks in my pocket." That's awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I started doing it. So I was like, I asked him, I was like, yo, get me a job. And he got me a job like the next week. So like a week after I turned 21, I started bartending and it just seemed to fit my training schedule really well. You know, I work like three or four nights a week, usually get off by like 11 or midnight, but on the weekends I'll stay later. But um, mm. let me train during the day and then go make some money in the evening hours. And you just got to find ways to get all of your sleep and your rest in. But other than that, it works out pretty nice. Yeah, do people actually know you're you're an MMA, a professional MMA fighter uh, down there? Uh, some like some of my regulars do. I uh, uh, the other bartenders get a chuckle though when somebody comes in and they don't know and they start getting yeah. mouthy at the bar, or <laughs> trying to cause problems. They're like, "Bro, does that dude even know what you would do to him?" And I'm like, "I don't care to tell him. Like, I, you know, I'm just, mm. I, I just go about my business there at the bar." But they're like. Man, he's like, some of these people don't even know that you could totally ruin their day. And like, yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true, yeah. but I don't, so. 
what's been like the the biggest situation that's happened or like something crazy where you had to like put the hands up or something like that oh man i've this happened four days ago five oh, days so it's brand I'm new kidding. yeah crazy brand new um we uh we had one of our musicians so the bar i work at we do live music right and, on, um, right we had a country artist in this older woman she was probably like 55 years old and okay. um this lady she was either crazy drunk or she was on some <laughs> drugs or something but um <laughs> She she walked up to the stage while this lady was singing. Oh and boy! Put, and and put her in a headlock in like hip hop, <laughs> like WWE like hip tosser oh. off the stage onto the ground. Oh, and I was so shocked. It took me like two seconds to realize like what was <laughs> to happening. like swallow it. Yeah, yeah, I was like, holy cow! And I like ran over there and I broke it up. And I was like, I was like, ma'am, I was like, you just assaulted that woman. Like, what are you doing? And she's like, I don't care. Oh, boy. Man, I was like, holy cow. So yeah, That's we had something to, scary. Yeah, we had to call the cops on her. She got she got taken downtown, but I was just like <laughs> I was like I could it took me like a full hour after that happened to like I was like, <laughs> yo, did that really just happen? Like this out of nowhere, this lady just walked up and headlocked and hip tossed our musician, like right in the middle of one of her songs. I was like yeah. Oh god. Yeah, just people are on people are on edge. They're coming unhinged right now. I think that everybody's under mm-hmm. a lot of stress with everything going on and making it tough for a lot of people. Of course. So you're no rook. You're no rookie. There's got to be some something other than that too. Maybe better, maybe worse. But you gotta like rank your your top three yeah, ones. Yeah, I mean, man, there's a. It's gotta I've be a lot. Seen, in nine years, yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff. I I try not yeah. to get involved as much as I can, but uh, you know. It happens sometimes. Beer bottles getting broken over yeah. heads, or people swinging a pool stick. Like it's <laughs> Some you always definitely stuff. definitely got to keep your head on a swivel when you're working <laughs> at a bar. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about uh, your side job, but uh, go ahead if you got to say anything. Go. I kind of no, cut no, you no, off there, good. actually. No, no. That's uh, like I was saying. It was uh, there's, stuff there's like so that. Yeah. Incidents. Yeah. So many incidents where it's like, man, I could I could probably write a book. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you got your fight coming up soon. I can't remember the exact date, but uh, what's, what's the date of the fight again? Uh, July 31st. In, right on, uh, right on. Uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I'll be facing Jacob Rosales for the LFA lightweight title. For sure, for sure. So have you watched any clips of your opponent? Do you know much about him? What's up with this fight July 31st? I, I like the matchup. You know, he's uh, he trains out of CSW in California, and he's a tough kid. He's He's got a... You know he's he's put together a pretty good record himself, and he's he's got some wins in the LFA. Um, I think uh, one of my teammates at Fight Ready fought him last summer on the okay. uh, on Dana White's uh, contender the contender series. series. Yeah. Yep. So JP Sears actually, or JP uh, Jonathan Pierce, not JP mm. Sears. Jonathan Pierce <laughs> trains uh, with us at Fight Ready, um, and he fought him last summer on the contender series. But um, other than that, you know, I don't know much about him. He's well rounded. Um, anytime you're fighting for the LFA title, you can expect to be fighting somebody that's a, uh, that's a good fighter. Of you know, course. He's not, yeah. he's not up, up for the title consideration for, for no reason, obviously like myself too. You know, I feel like we're both, um, well-rounded fighters, you know, we're adept wherever the fight might, may go. But, um, dude, I, I, th- I like the matchup. I think, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I think it's, uh, I think I've been building to this point in my career for a long time and being 30 years old like it's taken me a little longer to get here but I don't I feel like I haven't taken any shortcuts I've 
I've fought a lot of top-notch fighters on the way up. And, you know, anybody that's been able to beat me to this point um, has gone on to, you know, either the UFC or the Pro Fight League or Bellator yeah. or LFA. Someone title, big. You know, and, uh, they're, they're good fighters. And, and you know, I, I, I just need to get a win over one of those guys for it to be my turn. And I think I have... Uh, I've been building up to this point, and I think I'm mentally I'm ready to take that leap more so than maybe where my talent was before. Um, and my, my mental game just wasn't quite there. I was almost afraid to be successful or afraid to, to you know, to just to – I was always okay just being right there instead of taking yeah. that next step uh, and, and getting that win. You know, mm. I was more than capable of beating any of those guys that beat me. Um, I just don't think my mental game was there. I wasn't prepared to – see what that success would look like and whereas now you know i'm i'm not afraid of it anymore i've gotten some good mental coaching and i switched over and started training at fight ready about a, a year ago yeah because it was shortly after my last fight last yeah. yeah last september i switched over to fight ready and you know just working with working with guys that are in the ufc and bellator on a daily basis and seeing that man there's certain aspects of my game where I can beat those guys. Like, and they're, they're in the top level and I might be a little better than them in this area. And they're a little better than me in another area, but just seeing that I can compete and I'm on that same level with those guys has been really refreshing for me. And it's been a good, uh, it's been a good uh, gauge of kind of where I'm at. And, and uh, ha obviously having Eddie Cha and Santino in my corner from fight ready. Like these guys are awesome. They're, yeah. They're awesome, man. Like super knowledgeable guys. And, you know, I played college football. I've been an athlete my whole life, and I, I just need somebody to to point things out to me sometimes or show me the way to do it once. And if, once I'm shown the way, I feel like I, I'm a super fast learner. And so I've just been absorbing so much stuff from these guys over the past year. And it's I'm a little disappointed that it's taken this long for me to get a fight to kind of showcase it. But at the same time, I've just continued learning, continued learning and practicing and getting better. And, you know, I've been... I was, I sparred, like Henry Corrales, I sparred him right before he fought Juan Archuleta. I sparred him yeah. twice a week for six weeks. You know, I was <laughs> in sparring partner the whole camp, and I'm just getting a ton of good rounds in with, with uh, top-notch fighters, and I feel like my confidence is on another level right now as well. Yeah, so you, you, you mentioned you've been an athlete your whole life. All that must have been leading up to, like, a, a five-round war eventually. Have you been in a five-round fight before? I was scheduled for five. Um Last year in January, I actually fought Nate Andrews for the CES title. Mm. Um, that's out, out in Rhode Island on the East Coast. And yeah. um, we only got into the second round. He clipped me with a right hook, and I shot a sloppy single leg, and he uh, cinched up a guillotine. And he's uh, – I underestimated him a little bit. I'll be 100% honest. I, You know, when I fought him, his record was 14-1, and one, and I didn't feel that he had fought um, – any good guys, I guess. Yeah, I didn't feel like he yeah. fought tough competition yet. And mm. then I got in there, and that's that's always the biggest mistake you can make is is underestimating an opponent. And then I got in there and realized, hey, he's he's got some tools, you know. He's he's pretty good fighter, and he's got uh, he's he's got reach. He's got some tools. His jujitsu's on point. And um, you know, he he banged me up a little bit in the first round, and I started to question myself. And then he clipped me in that second round and caught me in a choke. And, Right after that fight, he went on to get signed by PFL, and he, you know, he qualified for the playoffs for them too. So, you know, I was, I, I, I uh, totally underestimated that dude, and and you know, I learned a lesson from that. But that was the only other time I was scheduled for five rounds, except for when I was an amateur. I fought a five-round fight, but it, they were only three-minute rounds. So I fought. Oh yeah, for title. sure. 
So I fought five rounds before it only came out to 15 minutes instead of 25. Yeah. But, um, mm. you know, I don't, I, uh, I don't think that'll be an issue. I train really hard. I, I, I focus on my cardio and, um, the main thing I'm just going to have to work on is a little bit of my pace and maybe like adjusting my pace to fit a five round fight instead of just a three round fight. Yeah. So you get a second opportunity at a title that must be special. And it's gotta be, it's gotta mean something, I guess every, every little step leading up to fighting in the UFC or, or Bellator, wherever you, you choose to go or that is offered to you, how much do you think that'll benefit you? And what would that mean for you? Dude, it's, it's huge. You know, for me, I, um, I, I want to say a little bit of my fighting career is me trying to um, right some wrongs from my past, you know, like not not anything terrible. I was uh, just uh, in state like as a high school wrestler, I felt like I underachieved, you know, my my junior and senior year. I was like 38 and one going into the state tournament. Boy, that's, that's not yeah, bad. <laughs> like, yeah, ranked, ranked like number two in the state. And both years, I thought I had a legitimate shot at, at winning a state title. And both years, I ended up getting fifth place. So, okay. you know, I was, and, and a lot of that comes back to just, you know, physically and technique-wise, I was just as talented or more talented than the guys that were beating me. I was losing, I was losing up here. I was afraid to be successful. I knew there was a lot of people watching, and I didn't know what, what necessarily came with the success, you know, like, Hey, if I'm a state wrestling champion, then people are going to expect me to wrestle in college or they're going to expect me to do this. And I was always afraid of placing those expectations on myself instead of living up to them. But this is another chance. Like, yeah, I missed my shot at a state title, but now I get to compete for a world title, which is, is an even bigger stage than I could have ever imagined putting myself on when I was in high school. So it's a little bit of redemption to me and another shot to, to prove to myself, like, Hey, you're worthy and I, and my work has paid off and put me in the position to, to get a chance to fight for a world title, not just a state title or a national title, but like a world championship, a legitimate world title. Albeit it's for the LFA, you know, that's, um, you know, the springboard up to the next level, but you know, a world title is a world title and you can't, it's nothing to shake a stick at, you know, it's definitely something that, uh, I will be able to be proud of when I accomplish it. Yeah. I feel like, like that would be something big. A lot of guys, who have fought for LFA have like sprung up to fighting in the UFC. For example, uh, there's a couple guys I've, I can't think of them right now, there's but there's tons, man. There's tons. They're all over there now, especially yeah. in the lightweight division. I feel this yeah. they're adding up there. But um, if you could think back to your journey, like you said, wrestling, what kind, like, how do you adjust your going from straight wrestling to being like MMA wrestling? Like, what's what's the difference? Because some people don't really understand that there's a big difference in between there. Yeah, there's a huge difference. Like, um, I would say the biggest difference, and, and timing is huge for, like, straight wrestling, like, and whatnot. But in, in MMA wrestling, I feel like timing is one of the biggest aspects of, you know, because if if you're in a wrestling stance, it's a lot harder to take a guy down than, yeah. say, he throws, say, he throws a big overhand right, and I time that perfectly. If I shoot under that overhand right, I'm going to take him down because he's off balance. His weight's on that front foot. So I feel like MMA wrestling is a lot more about timing and, okay. um, and strict wrestling is, is more about like your setup. So, you know, like I'm going to fake this shot to get this shot and then mm. that's going to open up this shot. So like straight wrestling, you kind of got to think two or three steps ahead to get a takedown, at least when the guy is of a similar caliber as you, you know, where in MMA, I feel like if your timing is good and you, you've kind of seen what he's throwing 
and then you can you're able to time that combination the right way. I think takedowns in MMA are, are a lot easier to get because you know okay. they have to worry about you punching them. They have to worry yeah. about you throwing kicks. Like there's so many different ways I can distract somebody to open up a takedown in MMA. Whereas in wrestling, they know I'm trying to take them down and it's I'm just trying to get their legs or I'm trying to get a body lock. So MMA wrestling, I would say timing is more important. Whereas um, strict like folk style wrestling, I think your setups are more important in that. Of course. So first of all, we got to rewind just a little bit. We got to go back to talking about how you began this, going to wrestling in uh, in high school, and then eventually becoming an MMA fighter. I know you must have talked about that a lot in various interviews, but like, is there a different story uh, of how you began your career? You know, I uh, I started wrestling when I was four. My dad put me into AAU okay. wrestling at age four, so I started at a super young age. But all the way through elementary school, I was, I was dead set. I was like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna play in the NFL. I wanted to be a professional football player. And that, and football, honestly, like I was, I was, I was, an, I was a good football player in high school too. I was all state a couple times, and then that's actually the sport I played in college was football. So when high school got over, I went to college to play football instead of wrestle because at the time I was like, yeah, I'm tired of cutting weight. I want to focus on school a little more while I'm there. Like I didn't want to be cutting weight, trying to go to class and all that. I was just yeah, kind of burnt, the worst. burnt out on the whole thing a little bit. But um, mm. so I chose football while I was in college for my sport. But when I was 18, a couple of my high school buddies were like, hey, dude, there's some amateur fights in this. There's a town like 45 minutes away. And they were just doing, they were throwing together an amateur card. And they're like, dude, you're, you wrestled. You're a good wrestler. You should do it. And I was like, dude, guys, I'm like the nicest dude ever. I've never been in a fight in my life. Like, I think I've thrown one punch at, at one of my brothers when I was little, you know, like at that point. I was like, dude, I don't, I don't fight anybody. I just wrestle and, and play football. But other outside of that, I was like, dude, I'm a nice guy. Like, I get along with everybody. And, um, but they're like, dude, you're a good wrestler. You got to try it. You got to try it. So I signed up and I tried it. And um, I remember going out there. I didn't even know which way to stand, like which foot oh, went forward. I, I was like basically in a wrestling stance. And this guy hit me in the face like six times before I even like <laughs> before I even knew what was happening. And I, just, I remember I was like wrestle. And I just I shot a double leg. I picked him up. And I was like the only submission I knew at the time was a rear naked choke. So I <laughs> double legged him, took his back and choked him out. But I just remember like when the fight got over I was like, my heart was beating so fast. And I was like, that was the most fun I've ever had in my life. I was like, it was, it was crazy. The adrenaline rush I got from it and just the amount of fun that I had, even though I got hit in the face like six times. And I was like, well, I'm going to keep doing this for a little while. And yeah. then, um, you know, I kept, uh, I kept winning as an amateur. Mm. I kept winning. I ended up, I had 17 amateur fights. Because, oh boy, that's um, a lot. Yeah, well, um, I was playing college football for five years, mm -hmm. and I, yeah. I, 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 legally, I couldn't go pro and and maintain my uh, my eligibility for college yeah. football. Okay. So I and I would only fight in the off season as well. They wouldn't let me fight during the season, but my coaches were like, oh, in the off season, I guess, like you can do what you yeah. want. And mm. I ended up going fourteen and three as an amateur, with uh, with all three That's of my bad. losses coming at uh, one eighty five. So I fought at oh, one eighty five. That's like, a big jump. Times. Yeah, well, the, yeah, I was bigger when I played college ball. I was oh, right on, yeah. Yeah, and they were like, well, we don't sense. want you, yeah, they don't want me cutting weight. They're like, we don't mm -hmm. want you to cut weight. We want you to stay big for football. So I fought 185 like five or six times, and I, I lost three fights, but I also won a few at 185 as well. Yeah, that's crazy. And, uh, 
<laughs> well, I fought some big, I fought some big dudes. Some big dudes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I started, and, but I, I realized I was like, man, I was like, you're 14 and three. By this time, I'm playing college football. I realized like, hey, you're a good football player, but you're not. Like, I knew I wasn't gonna go to the NFL. I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't tall enough. Um, I played corner. Like, there's no way I could keep up with wide receivers in the NFL. Like, I just, yeah. I, I knew I was like. I knew that college football was about as far as I was going to be able to take it. But I started to realize like, Hey man, like you're, you're pretty good at fighting. Like you're, you're pretty good at it. And you haven't even really started to take it seriously yet. Like Mm -hmm. full time at a gym. So as soon as I finished my fourth year of college football, I joined an MMA gym and started training and I turned pro about two years after that. And here we are. How supportive was your family after you uh, you ended the football career and became a full time fighter? They were already behind me after my uh, you know they were they were definitely supportive. I remember after my first fight though, my mother was not. She was no, not of course not. <laughs> she she went. She was at the fight and she was a wreck after the fight, like a mess. Mm. And she like um, I told her a few weeks later that I was going to do another one, and she's like. I hope you get knocked out. Oh, boy. So, she goes, so you never want to do this again. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, That's but, crazy. But now my mom's like, she's my biggest fan. She's there. Of course, yeah. Every single fight. She wouldn't miss one for the world. So, like, she's like, well, I guess I just had to get used to it a little bit and understand mm. that it's it's still a sport. It's still a competition. And, you know, there's rules. And it's not as, you know, it's not as bad as she thought it was. And. But yeah, now she's there all the time. She wouldn't miss one. That's awesome. So when you're a fighter, you got to look clean with the hair and everything going in oh, that cage. Yeah. So like, what's like the worst haircut I guess you've had throughout your career? Your 14 and three amateur record, your professional oh, record. It was definitely one of my amateur fights for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I went off to college, I was I didn't have a lot of money, so I would just let one of the guys on my team on the football oh, okay. team <laughs> like that was. He's like, oh, yeah, I can cut a good fade, bro. I can cut a good fade. That can't end well. Yeah, let's let's see it, you know? And, yeah, yeah, you could, like, see exactly where he changed the guards, like, all the way up my Can you still see that? Uh, Nowadays. Or was was it before? Oh, yeah, this was a long time ago. I need to get this cut. I'll definitely be getting a haircut before (laughs) this fight. You need a quarantine cut. Yeah, Yeah. it's all crazy. But no, I uh, I ended up just uh, putting a one guard on and shaving the whole thing because it oh, looked so boy. bad. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. just hit a reset on it. Mm-hmm. Fair but, enough, fair enough. No, I got a good I got a good barber down here now. He makes sure I'm looking sharp before we leave for the fight and stuff. That's awesome. So when you cut down, I I totally forgot to ask you this one after, but. Uh, when you cut down to 155, how different did it feel like when you competed against 185 pound guys all the way down to 155? Like, what did it, it feel like the weight and everything? Different. It's definitely different, you know. And I've never, I've never felt overpowered in a fight, even at 185. You know, I was I was playing college football, so I was throwing weights around all the time. Mm. That, that was part of the gig for college football was was weightlifting and powerlifting, and that's always been a big part of my training is the strength and conditioning and making sure I'm fit and strong. And, but, um, definitely was a lot nicer fighting guys that are 155 pounds instead of 185. Of course. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, um, and, and now that I'm down at 155, I have people that are like, dude, you should try to cut to 145. You should cut. To oh boy. And I'm yeah. like, man, I go, as soon as I get That's there, there's going to be somebody telling me to go to 135. 135. <laughs> 
like yeah I, i'm 155 is already less is that where you're comfortable I, I guess yeah yeah dude i feel good there i know like i know like i'm gonna be able to go out and perform whereas mm. like i'm and, and an extra 10 pound cut to get down to 145 like yeah i'd be in rough shape and i don't mm. know what type of performance i could put out after that would i or or you know some guys talk about your chin going when you cut too much weight and i feel durable at 155 like i can take a shot and keep yeah. fighting and, and have my legs under me where whereas if i cut an extra 10 pounds like am i going to get wobbled by a good jab you know which is yeah. a possibility and mm. I, I know the product i put out at 155 and I, I, I'm a I'm a hard enough worker in the weight room where if I needed to add a little bit more size to compete with guys in the UFC or Bellator, I'm not afraid of the work it would take to do that. You know, I already walk around between 175 and 180, which okay. isn't small, but it's not big for a 155 pounder either. But um, of course not. No. My biggest my biggest problems that I run into isn't the strength of the guys I'm fighting; it's the size. Maybe like the yeah. brain, guys that are big tall long guys obviously are harder to fight when you're only five foot nine but um, yeah. I the more you think about it I'm like yeah I can cut down to 145 and still run into guys that are six foot one with For 74 sure, yeah. 75 inch reach you know it's which is weird but yeah 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 there's but there's yeah. all types of there's all types of bodies at different yeah, yeah. so I'm not getting away from anything by going to 145 I'm already strong enough to fight at 155 hmm. and you know where where a lot of the issues I have come was with guys' reach and their their ability to keep me on the outside. Where, you know, like I said, at 145, there's still tall, lanky guys that fight there too. So um, I've just got to work on my technique, and and we have been um, ways to get inside on those longer framed guys and stuff like that because I like to fight once I get inside. I like my chances yeah. against anybody. Especially with that wrestling background too. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and grab onto me. I'll, I'll wrestle. <laughs> you, I don't mind. I don't mind hmm. at all. So even down all the way at 135, there's some pretty tall guys actually. Yeah, yeah. They're all over yeah, the place. Like, uh, what's well, Sean O'Malley. He's like he's yeah. 5'11", 5'11", yeah. almost six foot, and he fights at 135. Like, it mm. don't. It doesn't matter where you go. There's gonna be tall, lanky guys everywhere. So if that's if that's your excuse to cut 10 more pounds, I feel like guys are doing it for the wrong reason. Whereas if you feel like you're not strong enough, then maybe that's a reason to try that's to get different. down to 145. But that's never been an issue for me. I've, I've always felt like as strong or stronger than the, my opponents that I've matched up with in the cage. And obviously there's there's exceptions for everything. I'm sure there's a guy out there that could grab me and I'd just be like, holy shit, this is the yeah. strongest dude ever. But, you know, for the for for having 30 fights, 17 and 15. So, yeah, 32. This will be my 33rd fight. I've, I've been out there 32 times and not been overpowered at 155, you know, so hmm. I, um, I don't think that's going to be an issue for me going forward. Yeah, so also at 155, we had that that big fight that's talked about uh, all around the world now, that very first fight between Hubbard and, uh, I can't say his last name, but uh, Mr. Yeah, Max, Rox, I think his name was. Rochpov, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope uh, we didn't butcher that, but yeah, well, we, we we definitely probably did. So apologies <laughs> to him. But, um, we gotta say sorry. Yeah, man, I'll be I'll be honest. I actually, me and my manager put my name in for that fight. We were trying to get that short notice call up to fight Hubbard. I was, mm-hmm. uh, um, so I was I, I won't say I was disappointed, but I was I was holding out hope that maybe we could get on that card and be the be the short notice fill in because I've been training for a couple months and I feel like I could fight three rounds tomorrow if I needed. Yeah. To, you know? 
So um, I put my name in for that fight. I was really hoping we would get that shot. Um, but yeah, that was a crazy ending, you know, the way that of course. it all went down. Uh, what do you, how do you feel about that? What do you think? Do you think the coach was in the wrong or do you think, um, do you think he was just trying to encourage him? And then when he said he couldn't do it, the coach was like, all right, we're done. Then. To be honest, I don't want to take sides or anything, of course, because that's, right. that's important. But, uh, Mr. Drysdale, I've talked to him before. He's a very yeah, he's nice a guy. Coach, man. Experienced like, coach. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and, it's not like he was his first time out there and he yeah. was just like too excited. Like Drysdale has been in the game for a long time. And I like, hmm. I, I like to put my trust in those guys. And at the end of the day, like everybody's upset, but at the end of the day, the fight got stopped, which was the yeah, right thing that yeah. should have happened. So coulda, shoulda, woulda, it doesn't matter. It is what it right, is. The right thing got done too. You know, the, yeah. the right people made the right call. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with a coach trying to encourage their fighter to continue. I would, I, I would want that out of my corner to mm. encourage me to continue. Um, you know, it's... Um, it's it's a weird thing because unless you fought, you don't know what's going through that kid's head. Of course, you, yeah. Everybody, you know, a lot of the armchair quarterbacks are like, "How did this kid get a shot? He's a quitter. He's you know, he's a pussy. He's this. He's that." They don't know what it's like to be in there. No. And and, and like I, I've said this multiple times, the scariest feeling in the world is being in a fight and feeling yourself getting tired, feeling yourself yeah. gas out. And knowing that the other guy's not gassing out, like yeah, you just can't start it too. I, yeah, he was. I th I think him going back out there just put him in danger of getting injured even worse. Yeah. I think I think he knew that. I think in his heart, his coach knew that, and the right call got made. But you know, everybody that wants to call him a quitter, there's no worse feeling in the world than feeling your body start to shut down on you because of fatigue. And yeah. this other guy's still just fresh, coming at you, coming at you. You're in real danger. Like, there's, you're in real danger. You can get really injured. And, um, you know, part of it is part of our sport moving forward, I think, is, is coaches and athletes knowing when is the right time to just live to see another day. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is, like, there's so many things that went into that. They said it was like yeah. five days notice and so many yeah. reasons you could give behind him. He's a young fighter. He's got a, he's got a bright future if he sticks to it. The only thing is yeah. I hope he, he thinks about what he's doing. It's not a sport to play, I guess. Nope. Fighting is not, not a game, game, not at all. It's not a game. No. So I hope he like rethinks his decision if he wants to keep doing it or not. I don't want to see a guy get hurt like that, but right. uh, and, a tough and, fight. You know, like, I think it's fair to give him a full camp to be to be fully prepared for a fight as well. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, he'll, I, he'll definitely he'll definitely be doing some soul searching, I, I would imagine, over the next week or so to, to figure out if his heart is in it, you know, because that's one thing that this sport will expose in a hurry is if your heart's not in it, you're going to have a hard time getting wins, man, because you're competing mm -hmm. against guys that are that are fighting for their livelihood. They're fighting for, you know, their family or a better life or, you know, you're you're you're, you're not just fighting against the guy's skills. You're literally fighting to try to impose your will and your heart over another person's. And you have yeah. to you've got to be all for it. And if you're, you realize that your heart's not in it, it's not the right thing to do. Of course, I in a way I kind of feel bad for Dries though. He's getting a lot of hate yeah, no, for doing what he did, but I, I don't think so. Like I said, like the, the at the end of the day, the doctors came in and talked to him. There was someone else, and there was someone else. The right the decision cut, man, got, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, the right decision got made. Now, 
you mm. can pick apart you can pick apart maybe his tactics, but that's that's his job as a coach is to motivate. I feel like to inspire him. You know, he he gave no when the doctor stepped in and said, "Hey, he wants to quit." He gave no resistance. He didn't argue. He, you know, he at that point he agreed with his fighter, and and then they moved on. But mm-hmm. you know, it, there's a lot of stuff going through a fighter's head in a fight, and it's the coach's job to kind of sort through that too and be like, oh, you know, is he is he really does he really want to quit? Is he really done, or is he just frustrated because he had a just bad saying round? That. You know, yeah. like, you know, he could just be frustrated because he had a bad round and he needs to get his head straight really quick. And, you know, he used the entire minute to try to to set his fighters talk him head into it and talk, you know, yeah. to talk what he thought was sent into him. And the fighter's mind was still made up and the right decision got made. So I don't think I don't think there should be a ton of um, criticism pointed his way. I think the media just likes to have a lot of stories to talk about. Overhyped that's, it, that's, yeah. That's an, that's an easy story to, to make, you know? That's an easy story to talk about. It's an easy thing to debate. So I think maybe that's why it's getting more attention than some other things. But at the end of the day, I, the, the right decision got made. So I don't... It's not an over with, so... Yeah. But uh, if you were actually to step in against Hubbard, he he was 11-4, and four, not 12-4. and four. You're 11-4. and four. How do you think that matchup would have played out? Oh, uh, dude, I like the matchup. I um, man, I, it's hard. It's so hard to predict fights. It's so no, hard course. to predict fights, you Same. know. And there's, especially at the UFC level, I feel like some of these guys could fight ten times and split five and five, or, yeah. or six and four, you know, like. Um, but you know, his striking looked clean in that fight. But um, I I, I was definitely eager to try and get that shot. There's there's a uh, you know, it's it's not like they're asking me to come in and fight Khabib or someone right off the gate like that. You know, <laughs> that'd be different. That'd that, be different. <laughs> yeah, he's another guy that just recently got into the UFC through the Contender Series, and you know, yeah. I think I'm right. I'm I'm right in that and on that level with him. I think it would have been a great fight. Um, I liked where I was at conditioning wise and whatnot, even if it would have been short notice. Like, so um, it would have been a good fight, man. It would have been fun. That's that's the that's the big thing for me. It would have been fun. Something to look forward to in the future, yeah. I guess we could say. Yeah, we'll see if we can get one lined up. Awesome. So we've been talking a while. Don't want to uh, take too much time out of your day. I want to give you the opportunity to uh, shout out anyone you would like to uh, that's been helping you along this camp or that is oh, going to man. help you. The uh, the floor is all yours, my friends. Sweet. Um, geez, I got. You gotta get comfy. <laughs> nah, I'm just I got um, I got a bunch. I've got some. So team how is um how incorporated in sioux falls joshua how he's been my been one of my main sponsors since i turned pro he's stood behind me even after moving from south dakota to arizona so um big shout out to josh how at um team how and how incorporated for um for being one of my biggest backers throughout all of this um he's he's literally the only sponsor that i've consistently had from start to finish um also, uh, just started working with AZ Food Prep down here. Um, they've been squaring my meals away for me over the past couple of weeks, making sure I stay ready for this fight. So I want to shout out James and Dylan at AZ Food Prep. Um, they've been awesome to work with, and they've been uh, really helpful. Um, all the guys at Fight Ready, um, Camuela Kirk, Santino, Eddie Cha, Henry Corrales, Dracar, Ray Waters, Jordan Larson, there's a ton. I'm leaving them all out, but all my teammates at Fight Ready that show up every day and are, are willing to get better 
um, give me sparring rounds on sparring days. Literally, those guys are some of the most selfless guys I've ever been around. There is never a shortage of guys willing to show up and put the work in with you and help you out along, along the way. And then um, last but not least would be Oren Hodak at uh, KO Reps. He um, started working with me a few years ago, and he's really helped me elevate my game and, and start to put me in spots where I can be seen and actually make that jump to the next level. So I want to thank all of those guys and, and any potential sponsors that I may be working with coming up for this fight. You know, it's um, every little bit is appreciated and it helps keep me going towards where we want to be. So thanks to everybody. I appreciate you for your time. Thanks for giving me a call. That was awesome. Sure. All right. So last one before I let you go, you got to reach your time on the podcast here. We had you on for almost 40 minutes. One to ten, what you got to give us? Oh, man. Ten out of ten, man. It was, it was super cool. chill. Yeah, <laughs> ten out of ten. Super chill conversation, you know, and it was it was nice talking about some different things rather than of course. the same cut, the same cut and dry questions that we get every time. So it was, uh, it was definitely fun chatting with you, man. Awesome, brother. So hopefully we'll be talking in the future. If we don't talk anytime soon, I want to wish you luck on your upcoming fights. And uh, you, we'll Hit see you soon. In- Anytime, and then maybe next time I talk to you, we'll be the uh, LFA lightweight champion. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. Have a good one, man. Peace.